You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to RenewLifeChurch.com. Good morning. Actually, 1201, good afternoon. How's everybody? We're good? Sweet. I'm a, pa- I'm, a, I'm a speaker that likes communication, so you can give me thumbs up. Just don't do thumbs down. I'm just going to ask you to not to come back. So, Can we give it up for our worship team? Aren't they amazing? And also, can you give it up for Steve-O and just his ability and willingness just to go some places that are just scary? Thank you so much. It's so cool. It's so awesome to, to run with people that are not afraid, especially in a day and age when fear grips people. So just honored to get to be here. Uh, my name's Cody Sykes. I'm the campus pastor here. And, and just want to say thank you for coming. If you're a first-time guest, church, can we welcome our first-time guest? Thank you so much for being here. This is, our, this is our church family. This is what we do on Sunday. We go for things. We believe for things. And uh, our, our prayer is that your life is deeply impacted by the Spirit of God that's here. And uh, I pray that today you would hear something that uh, shakes some things and rattles some things. Uh, I wanted to just jump in and, and to share a couple of testimonies if I could really quick. We, we try to share testimonies often. We know that um, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, as it says in Revelations. And so anytime that a testimony is shared, what you should be thinking or what you should be hearing is Jesus could actually reproduce that testimony for me. Yes. That's where your faith should go in a testimony shared. So last week we had a guest speaker, his name was Dave Harvey, he was amazing, it was an amazing time, he shared some incredible things, but he prophesied over a few people and he prophesied over someone that was in the second service and, and before he did, he released a testimony. He released a testimony that uh, back home in Reading, uh, they were in a, home, in a home group and some people were releasing some things over the group and, and all of a sudden he, he had this boldness come on him and he said, no, I just, I release $1,000 to every single person here. And then it was one of those moments where he wished that he could take his words back. He's like, that might have just been too big. I might have bit off more than uh, I should have. And he's like, but I felt the Spirit of the Lord on it. And so before the night was over, they were cleaning up their house, and on their kitchen table was an envelope with $1,000 on it, in, in it. So it instantly started then. So he comes here from California, releases that testimony. Remember, when it's released and you attach your faith to it, you're telling it, I believe that it could be reproduced in me. So he prophesies over a guy that was in the second service and he said, I just saw the Lord bringing thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars to you. You're a faithful man and the Lord can trust you. Before he left this church building, someone walked up and gave him $1,000. And so that's a super cool testimony. Yeah, you can clap. And you can celebrate God in those moments. It's just, it's amazing what God is willing to do. God is this kind of God that he's not gonna make you do anything, but he's waiting for you to do something. And so your something in moments like that is just to engage your faith and say, yes, Lord, do it again. Uh, Also, we've been praying for a dear friend of ours that comes to this church uh, him and his wife and his boys have been at this church for uh, quite, a, quite a few years. He's kind of a secret assassin. He serves in some ways, but really he, he does so many things that you can't see that make some of the things that we have possible. He is truly, um, he is truly a giver. He has 
the gift of generosity on his life, and, and he's just one of those kinds of people. But uh, about, a, about a week and a half ago, he was driving home from um, a field that he works in in Rankin, and he was in a head-on collision. And uh, looking at pictures of the vehicle, talking to the person that arrived on the scene first, uh, I was like, just be real with me. How bad is it? And he said, well, I don't know how someone would survive. They land a helicopter on the highway, they pick him up, they fly him to Odessa, um, and it just was one of those things where it just was out in the air. We weren't sure what was going on. Uh, I got to the hospital, didn't get to go up with him because they would only, because of COVID stuff, they would only let his wife in, but as they decided that they were going to fly him to Lubbock because he had a brain bleed, she was like, I'm going to leave early, and I'm going to ask that they would let you in, so I got to go in, got to lay hands, got to pray. He was awake. He never lost consciousness through the whole thing, I think, but only once for a moment, and um, what I was amazed by was that this man was in a head-on collision, but I couldn't find a scratch on his body that was big enough for stitches. It was just an incredible miracle. Above his nose that was broken, I couldn't find a scratch on his head. And um, God just did a miracle in protection in that moment. And from what I understand, the other guy that was in the other vehicle is totally okay as well. And so it was just an incredible thing because we hear so many times on our roads and the things that said over the drivers and over the roads of this area is that they're horrible and they're terrible and I just believe that God can be on the roads, amen? And so he's making a, a crazy recovery and um, he's had a couple of little, a little surgeries and they've got some things pinpointed. He actually got up and walked quite a bit the other day and so he texted me right before first service uh, while we were doing communions the first time of got to have any communication with him since I got to pray with him. And he just said, tell people that I'm thankful. Tell people, thank you for praying, thank you for believing. And uh, he said, I'm on my way out. So I love it. So these are just things that are happening. And, and I love the fact that we're a church that prays. I love the, the fact that we're a church that prays and believes that God can, because he can. So I'm just blessed to be here, honestly. And I just got an incredible, uh, I, I'm incredibly excited about the word that I have because it means something to me, and uh, it's, it's something that I feel like God has put in me and on me, and so I just want to impart something to you today that I hope it, it stirs some things up in you. Get your creative juices flowing. Get your imagination working again, and, and I, my hope and prayer is that at the end of this, you actually step back into a place of dreaming. That's my hope. So I just want to pray before we go too far. Father, I thank you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. You're the spirit of truth. You're the counselor and the comforter. You were the promise that Jesus prophesied when he said it's for our benefit that he goes away. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and that you would just begin to minister to our hearts. Pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Revelation that comes from heaven. I pray that you would just overtake everything that I am, my mouth, my thoughts. I pray that Things that are spoken today, Father, they shake the foundations of what we've built our lives on, and we actually walk out of this place looking, thinking, and believing more like you do. We bless you. We say thank you for all that you've done for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today, uh, if you're taking notes and you need a, a title to your notes, the title of the message is called The Champions. The Champions. We joked earlier in pre-service, like, maybe I should walk out to We Are the Champions, all the way up to that spot where we all declare there's no time for losers. 
and then shut it off. I want to talk to you about what it means to champion the cause of the people around you. What it means to come alongside someone and actually be a champion that is in their corner as they walk through this journey of life. And then also, the importance of what it's like to have those kinds of people speaking and believing on your behalf. And so, I wanna jump into this. When I think about a champion, and just to kinda define what it means to champion someone, it means to defend or advocate for someone or something. To be an advocate, not an accuser. This is who Jesus is. He's the advocate, not the accuser. He even takes on postures of lowliness, um, but not weakness, to identify and, and help us see that he sees our situation and he's saying, you've got this, you can do this, come on, let's do this. Like Steve said, let's do this thing together. And so we see that Jesus is an advocate, a person that champions someone else is a person that is defined by words like warrior and words like fighter. These are people that battle on behalf of another's honor. I love this concept of championing people. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about it for a couple of reasons, but one of the things that came up in me was I was thinking like, Lord, okay, he's like, I see this happening in, in the natural world. I see this happening in my own life. Show me maybe... Take me to a place in scripture where I can identify this. And, and he took me to Mark chapter two. We're gonna go to Mark chapter two, starting in verse one. It's gonna be on the big screen, uh, but you're welcome to pull it up in your Bible as well. It says, again, he, so this would be uh, Jesus, again, he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he, Jesus, preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the man, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. In verse 10, I'm gonna jump down, it says that, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take your bed up, and go to your house. And immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. I love that. I want to live a life, and I want to see things where people are like, I've never seen anything like that before. Before I dive into my thoughts about this story, I wanna ask you just a couple of questions. First question I wanna ask you is a simple question that you're probably gonna be able to say yes to. That question is, have you ever had a dream? And I'm not talking about a dream at night. I'm talking about a dream in your life where you aspire to do something, be something, or see something come to pass in your life. You had a, a strong conviction, or you had a strong belief that something was actually gonna take place in you and for you. You ever been there? You ever had one of those? Cool, some of us. The, the consensus in the room probably, if we all raised our hand, it would be, yeah, everybody's had a dream. The second thing I would ask you is, what are the things that have kept you, what are the things that have kept you from your wildest dreams coming true? What are some of the things that have gotten in your way of dreams becoming a reality? 
when I was thinking about this, I thought about the movie Mr. Deeds. Anybody ever seen Mr. Deeds? <laughs> Mr. Deeds is an Adam Sandler movie. It's one of my favorites. Uh, it's, it's so many things about this movie that I love. But there's one moment where Mr. Deeds, he is trying to save his, his uncle's empire, this giant business that he had built, and it's trying to just be given over to, to the stockholders. They're trying to dismantle this thing so that everybody's pockets get lined, and he shows up to this, this meeting where they're basically deciding on what's about to happen. And he gets up there, and he starts speaking about dreams. He starts speaking about the things that he dreamed about when he was a young boy, and he begins to ask people in this crowd, what were your dreams like? He asks this one guy, he says, what, 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 what was your dream when you were a child? He said, well, I, I wanted to be a veterinarian. <laughs> I wanted to help sick animals. He's like, man, that's an amazing dream. What do you do now? And he's like, I own a chain of slaughterhouses. <laughs> and Deeds is like, well, that, that kind of went the wrong direction, but hey, it's okay. And the reason that his dream went the wrong way is because he saw, he saw prophets and it changed his heart. That was the gist of this moment. But we all have these moments where we've dreamed of something that was huge. We dreamed of something when we were children that was far outside of the norm. We dreamed of flying. We dreamed of all of these superhero things. We dreamed of being doctors. We dreamed of being lawyers. Like We had dreams and aspirations, and then something happened. I get it. Like We would say that life happened. But I would say that support is vital for every dream to become a reality. Support. Whether it be financial, whether it be relational, whether it be words of encouragement, support has to be evident for a dream to walk and become a reality. If you're in the place and you're like, well, actually, I don't need support because I never had support. Now I can do it on my own. But actually, God always was with you, so you never did it on your own. You were actually leaning on support that you couldn't see, so you actually do need support. We can't cross over into this place where I'm an adult and I only need me and those that are around me, or I just need me. I have enough resource, I have enough to gift, I have enough ability, I can make anything happen. I have something in me that lets me make money. It's actually God. I listen to this guy and he says there's four in you truths. In you, you know nothing. In you, you can do nothing. In you, you are nothing. And in you, you have nothing. But with Christ, I can do all things. Like, that's where we have to set ourselves as adults. Support comes in different ways. It comes from parents, comes from pastors, comes from leaders around you, comes from your friends. Support is a huge proponent of dreams becoming a reality. Support looks like someone walking alongside you and just saying yes. Yes, go for that, and then how can I help you in your quest of making that thing a reality? That's what, that's what the support, and that's what champion looks like. I ask these questions about dreams because when I read this story in Mark chapter two, I see a man who had a dream. Now obviously like I'm looking a little further in and I'm, I'm imagining what his life might have looked like in the moment, the things that I'm gonna say and how I'm gonna paint the picture of the scripture, it's not what we just read, but oftentimes I like to look and dive into scripture and plug it into what, did, what would this look like if this was a man in our church? Sometimes I think that we look at the Bible and we're like, these are just characters. 
Now, these were actual people. And I would imagine that if this guy laid paralyzed, that he had a dream of someday walking. A far-fetched, huge dream. I bet you that there were people that came alongside him, heard his dream, and literally out of their mouths said, you ought to pick up another dream. In fact, I would get used to laying where you lay. Maybe you should even invest in a more comfy mat because that's probably where, you're gonna, that's where your reality is going to stay. I don't know if you've ever been told something like, your dream is too big, you should take up another one. You're not equipped or called or designed to walk in something so great. You should actually maybe just lower your standards a tiny bit. I believe that this guy had, had a big dream. And he found some people that would walk with him. One of the other reasons that I was thinking about this and why the Lord's been talking to me about this is my son, he's nine. And this season, he started playing tackle football for the first time. It was just like a childhood dream, like he just wanted to do this. And, and, and so as he started playing, he went to a couple practices, he went to a game. Before you know it, he starts talking to me about his dream. I bet you you could probably identify what the dream is before I tell you what the dream is. He wants to play in the NFL. Automatically, he's like, this is what I'm made for. <laughs> Two practices in, one game, I'm good. Let's do this thing, right? As does probably every other nine-year-old that plays football. But he's, he's constantly talking about this dream. He talks about it so much, all day, driving to practice, after practice, watching TV, it's all the time. He picked out where he's gonna go to school. He picked out which round he's gonna get drafted in. He's already put together his, uh, his, his invites to his draft party. <laughs> he's talked about, I'm either gonna play for the Dallas Cowboys or the Houston Texans because they're close to home. He said, I'm gonna play for eight years, then I'm gonna retire and become a pastor. <laughs> like he's got this whole thing dialed in, right? And I love it. And as a dad in this moment, as his advocate in this moment, I have three choices that I've narrowed them down to. My first choice is I could, I could tell him what the world would tell him about his dream, that he's too small, that he's not fast enough, that he doesn't have the genetics, that the pool of people that actually play in the NFL is very, very small, and he's probably outside of that number. I could tell him you should probably pick up another dream and don't waste your time. Because that's what someone will tell him eventually. Number two, I could just listen to the words that he says, and because he says a lot of words, <laughs> a lot of words all the time, especially pertaining to his dream, but I could, just, I could just lump this into the rest of the things that he talks about and slowly but surely not give it attention and just let it die on its own. Or the third thing I could do is actually champion his dream and be one of those kinds of people that tear the roof off and lay him in front of Jesus and say, Jesus, would you make it a reality? Like, these are the options that I have. And so the third option is the one that I've chose. The third option is, is the one that I've chose. See, this, this paralytic man, he, he had four guys in his life that I would call champions. They hear of Jesus coming to town and and something happens on the inside of him. For the sake of the story, we're gonna call the man on the bed, the paralytic man, we're just gonna call him Jack. He's Jack today. It's not what it says in scripture. I know. Don't send me messages after service and say I was wrong. 
I know, it's not Jack. He doesn't have a name in the scripture. But today he's Jack. Everybody good with Jack? But they hear that Jesus is coming into town and, and I would imagine that something happened in them where it was like, guys, listen, Jesus is actually coming into this town. And one of the other guys is like, yeah, so what? He's like, bro, Jack's dream is to walk. And Jesus is the one that heals. So what we need to do is we need to get Jack to this house that Jesus is at and so that hopefully his dream becomes a reality. And I can just see this moment where they're literally walking down the street carrying a dude on his bed, down Wadley. <laughs> where are you headed? You ran a red light. Uh, going to the house where Jesus is at. Just carrying Jack. I love this about these guys. They are relentless in their pursuit of Jack's dream. How many people do you have in your life that are relentless about the pursuit of your dream? And how many people are you relentlessly pursuing their dream and making it something that comes to pass? Pouring fire, pouring gas on their fire in the form of support. They get to the house and the first guy, I would imagine as they've walked onto this lawn, literally they're like, hey, let's go through the front door. It's the biggest opening in the house. We'll just walk in with his bed. We'll lay him in front of Jesus. Everything's gonna be fine. We'll get him healed. Bada bing, bada boom, we're out. Walking back down wildly to the house. They get to the door and, and there's literally too many people in the house they can't even get through the doorway. And I would imagine in this moment that Jack starts to remember some of the things that people said about his dream to walk. He's seeing with his eyes that maybe this won't happen again. But thankfully, there's another guy. There's four guys. The second guy's like, hey, let's go to the window. Maybe we can get to the window. Obviously, the window's, it's open, but there's too many people. And slowly but surely, there's another setback. Third guy, let's try the back door. Let's do this. Like every single option that they can think of, and nothing happens because they can't get in. But the fourth guy, He's this guy that's just crazy. He's the guy that's like, listen, guys, this, is, this might be way, way too outside of the box, but what if we just climbed up on the roof with Jack and we just started ripping a hole in the roof big enough that we could just lower him down in front of Jesus? I bet you Jesus would make this thing a reality. See, we gotta have those kinds of people in our life and we gotta be those kinds of people for, for others where it's like, all of the other options look like they're not going to work. And then we've got this one guy in our circle that's like, you know what, this is going to sound crazy, but I believe so much in what you want for your life and what God has promised you in healing. Let's do something radical. Let's do something crazy. I know that you may have already quit on this idea of you getting healed and walking today, but I haven't. Will you trust me to go on the roof and take you on the roof and start tearing the roof off of this place so that maybe your dream becomes a reality today? These are the kinds of people that I would call champions. These are the kinds of people that I believe we're called to be. I love this. I love this story. Mark chapter two, verse three. I wanna read this part again. It says, then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men and when they could not come near because of the crowd. They uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let him down. The man that was lying on the, 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 the paralytic that was lying down. In this moment, because of the actions of these four guys, this man 
His life is changed forever. Because of these four guys, quitting on his dream was not an option. Because of these four guys and their support, he literally stepped into the thing that only God could do for him. I can't stress to you enough the importance of having people around you that will not only dream with you, but they'll actually come alongside you and ask you, what do I help you with to make your dream a reality? Spiritual family should be made up of people that are champions of one another. That's what a spiritual family should be. As I think about Bryden and his dream, I think about like, Lord, how do I engage myself in this dream? Like how do I, as a father, how do I put myself in a place where he knows that I'm in support and he knows that I'm believing in him? And so we began to talk. When he started playing, I was like, listen, here's, here's what I need from you. I need, I need just three things from you. The first thing, I don't, I don't care if you play football right or wrong. I don't care if you break the rules because you don't know the rules. But I need these three things. I need, I need you to try your hardest. I need you to be teachable by coaches. And I need you to be full of honor and humility and respect of the people that are on the field with you. If you do those three things, you and I will, will be fine. And then I began to talk to him about this dream. I said, buddy, I've listened to you talking about this dream for, for weeks now, and, and so here's what I want you to do. In the moments where you're practicing, in the moments where something comes against you and you face an adversity, I want you to put your dream before you. Yeah, I know that I stole that off of Rudy. It's fine. <laughs> but it works. And so slowly but surely, he's taking on this mindset of, I'll ask him after practice, how many times did you think about your dream today? I noticed that you didn't run very fast at the end of practice when you had to run sprints. Were you thinking about your dream in that moment? No, I wasn't. I was like, okay, that's fine. But if that's your dream, set it before you. If that's what you're after, set it before you. Run after your dream, not anyone that's around you. And so I've just been slowly but surely trying to instill this thing into him so that he actually lets the weight of what he wants be the thing that drives and propels him. So Saturday, he has a game, and it's really funny. There's, we, have a, we have a kid on our team that is probably my height, maybe a tiny bit shorter. He probably weighs about 220. He's in the fourth grade. He is a beast of a kid, and uh, sweet as he can be. He plays on the defensive line. My son is a head shorter than everyone else. And my son is his replacement on the defensive line. <laughs> it's the craziest thing ever. I was like, he's not in the right spot. Bryden, you're not, you're not lining up right. No, he actually was. And so he's thinking about football all the time. And, and so he lines up against kids that are way bigger than him. And he sees a small gap between two linemen and he thinks, I could squeeze through there. First play, as soon as the ball is snapped, he dives through and knocks the ball out of the hand of the quarterback before he even gets the snap. Wasn't offsides, caused a fumble. Ends up doing this time and time again and they couldn't stop him because he was so small. He was squeezing through gaps. <laughs> and he got off the field and we get in the truck and he says, Dad, I thought about my dream every time I did that. Every single time I lined up against kids that were bigger than me, the only thing I could think of was my dream. 
He's already painting a picture in his mind that in the NFL, he's going to be known as a person that could get through gaps that no one else could get through because he's dreaming. What's interesting about, about these things is that as his dad and as a champion of his, what's more important than him playing in the NFL is that I, I don't teach him how to give up on a dream at the age of nine years old. Like what he needs and what you need and what the people that he's designed to impact in the world, what they, what they don't need is his dad teaching him that it's okay to quit on something that seems too big. Because slowly but surely, if I teach him that at the age of nine, he'll never step into what God has called him to be because he can't even imagine that God would do something that big for him. And now your life is suffering because he's not walking in the fullness of who God called him to be. See, as a dad and as, as, a, as, a, as a person in the spiritual family of God, people outside, people that are unsaved, so to speak, the lost world, whether they know this or not, they actually need us to constantly be living in this place of creativity and imagination with the Father because it ignites my faith for something that's bigger than what my reality shows me is, is real right now. I have to constantly, we have to constantly be cultivating these moments where we're not the reason that somebody quit. It's kind of interesting, like, if I'm being totally transparent and honest, like, it's even awkward and it's even talking about this dream and talking about my son's dream in a room full of adults from the position that I support and believe his nine-year-old dream to play in the NFL. Even saying that out loud in a room full of adults is awkward. Because most of us in this room, we quit imagining a long time ago that God could do something that big. And we've stepped into this place of adulting and being logical. And out of this place of being creative and full of faith. The reason that when we hear things like this, it, it's, we meet it with instantly like all of the reasons why this can't work is because somewhere along the way, we begin to believe that things like this can't work. I don't know what your dream life has been like. I don't know the things that you've aspired to do. I don't know any of those things, but I bet you that at some point in time, someone came along and said something that caused you to start thinking, maybe I should just quit. Maybe I should put that one down and settle for this one. See, any time that the idea is introduced to quit, I've slowly but surely, slowly talked myself into not being creative with the Father any longer. I've slowly convinced myself that certain things aren't for me. And you and I can't afford for each other to do that. See, when someone is released 
into a place, when people are released into a place, a city, a marketplace, a workplace, that have this ability to, to dream with God and create with God and imagine God doing amazing things, bosses start getting saved. People that are checking you out at the grocery store, they start getting healed. People at the table behind you at Roses, they start getting miracles happen in their life because you actually are so full of faith that you're like, God, I imagine you healing this person. I see it coming to pass. And slowly but surely, the identity of our city starts taking on one that glorifies God in every single way. But it comes from people who are willing to say, God, I am interested in creating with you again. It takes adults saying, teach me how to fall back in love with the five-year-old version of me. They could literally get a, I played with Lincoln Logs when I was a kid and I loved them. I was like, it was one of my favorite things. I didn't need instructions to build something. I just started using my imagination and just started creating things. And I was just as proud of them as I could possibly be because they didn't fall down, which is great. We have to start allowing God to take us back into places where we trust and believe and imagine with him again. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.